therefore, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions tonight before we get started. And the first question is this. Are you living your life in accordance with God's will? The second question, are you living a life of worship? Do you even know what God's will is for your life and how to live a life of worship? If you've been coming week after week, you would have heard exactly how you should be doing this because it's clearly set out in Hebrews 13. And Michael and the preaching team have been unpacking this in every minute detail. One verse for a sermon, my goodness, it's amazing. And they were able to get so much out of it. Yet, we are living in very challenging times at the moment. With climate change and all that this brings. Just imagine, is, have you seen the, the news items on uh, Hurricane Ian in Florida and Carolina? The seas kind of moved right through the town, through the city. It's devastation. And then just a few weeks ago, Pakistan, the floods through Pakistan. And what about the floods up and down our coast? And of course, we had the bushfires. We had the droughts before the bushfire, the bushfires, then the floods. And now we're just getting through a couple of years of the pandemic. And now with war that uh, Steve's already prayed about up in the Ukraine, there's one going on in northern Ethiopia. There are other hotspots around the globe. And what about the tough economic times that we're now going through? You know, I hate turning on the radio to hear the finance report because my super is taking a big nosedive and my friends say to me, don't look at it, Steve, it's only depressing. So how are we going to live our lives in accordance with God's will when there's so much going on, so much challenge? Well, I say to you how blessed we are to have God's word to guide us through these turbulent and difficult times and know how to live a life of worship that is pleasing to God, but not only God, but pleasing to one another. And in our reading today, we come to a precious little letter that you rarely hear taught about. We brush over in our Bible reading, we think, oh, so what? But I say precious because it is ever so personal and it is written to a very humble and special Christian man in, in an unidentified church, in an unknown town and even an unknown region. It's only 14 verses long. Yet, it's full of encouragement, passion, and I love passion, and it's got lots of direction for us. And we're going to focus in on just eight verses, but I'm going to ask Nicole in a moment to read the 14, just to give us the uh, whole letter. But we're only going to look at the first eight verses. You see, the letter is written by John, and I understand John was the writer of the Gospel of John. And he describes himself as the elder. Now, the elder was responsible for teaching, preaching and directing the affairs of the church. The elder was also responsible for shepherding and, uh, or pastoring the members of the church and to guard the church from error. Similar to what our senior minister, Michael, does for us. Now, it appeared that John had planted this church, we think, in the province of Asia. And the letter is addressed to a dear friend of John. His name is Gaius, or I should say Gaius. G-A-I-U-S. Gaius sounds better, doesn't it? And this Gaius is a great example of a man who lived his life in accordance with God's will and lived a genuine life of worship. And we're going to look at him 
And I hope he's going to be an encouragement to you because he is a great encouragement to me in my senior years. So, Nicole, come up and read. And as you come up, I'm going to pray for us that we might have ears to hear tonight. Father God, we thank you for your word. My goodness, this little letter from John to a humble man called uh, Gaius. We ask that you'll give us ears to hear but hearts to understand. And as we come to the conclusion of this letter and this time of unpacking your word, may you challenge us to be like this man, to live a life of humble worship. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for reading for us. Okay, so 3 John just before Jude and Revelation at the back of the Bible. And it's up there too. Okay. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Peter. That sun is shining right in my eyes. Last week I saw um, Rob Pratt up here and the sun was shining in his eyes too. I don't know whether I can move this thing over the side. No. Blimey, this is heavy. Oh, it's a big Bible. <laughs> all right don't you love it the elder to my dear friend Gaius whom I love in the truth why did uh, John love this man so much because Gaius had an active and alive relationship with Jesus he was a special brother because he was a brother in the truth or more precisely a brother in Christ and it was Jesus that they shared in common. And Jesus is truth. And it was the truth that linked them so strongly. John actually writes over 25 times about 
Jesus being the truth and the life and, and the light in, uh, in his gospel. And it's always great, a great joy when I see a dear brother in Christ that I haven't seen for many years or even a couple of weeks sometimes. You know what we do? We walk up to each other and we say, wow, it's great to see you. And we throw our arms around each other and give each other a hearty pack on, on the back. Why? Because we are united in Christ and walking in the, the light and the truth together. We have so much in common when it comes to the deeply important issues of life. And our lives are anything but ordinary. My best friend Phil Parker is preaching this, this week. We're both retired and Phil's got a locum up at Menangle Anglican Church. My heart went out to him last night just thinking about, well, daylight saving. We had to get up really early this morning. But I sent him a text and said, I'm praying for your brother and one come back. Steve, don't forget to put your clock forward. <laughs> That's what brothers do. And I did. But who was Gaius? Well, the scriptures are quiet on exactly who Gaius was. He's only mentioned in this letter, to my knowledge. And it's interesting, he was not recognised as a church leader. Nicole told us it was... Who was it, Nicole? Di... Eh? Diotrephes. He seemed to be the church leader and he didn't want to see John by the sounds of it. But... Uh, Gaius wasn't the church leader. But nevertheless, Gaius was someone special in the church who had earned respect among uh, the many other brothers and sisters who worshipped at this little church. And I love John's uh, opening greetings to, to Gaius. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Can you imagine if we greeted our Christian friends like this? Surely you long for them to enjoy good health. When you get older, that's all us men talk about is how's your sore knee or how's your sore back and other man issues that only older men know about, but that's what we talk about. Because we want to see each other healthy and, uh, and well. And surely you long for them to have good and wholesome lives. Surely you desire their inner soul to be well too. And this is what a friend desires for another. It is natural and we can see how natural, loving and friendly John is toward this humble man, Gaius. But what was important to John was what they had in common, and that was Jesus. And here we can see Gaius imitating the faith of Jesus that his elder brother John had. Can you recall back to Hebrews 13, verse 7, where the writer directs, People like us, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember the sermon Michael Collins gave us? This hit home pretty hard to me. Not imitate their way of life, but imitate their faith. And that day I remembered back to the great men who showed me what it was like to be a faithful Christian man. And I remembered them. And I thought, gee, I wish I was like Arnold Young, Les Tattersall, Don Dre, Bruce Blouse. 
And the list went on and on. These great men that God had put into my life. Just ordinary men. Just men who sat in the, the back pews of the church. Remember their way of life but imitate their faith. And this is what Gaius did. But what excites John is not Gaius's good health or his well-being or even his success in worldly matters. What excites John are the reports that he is hearing about how faithful Gaius is in his walk with Jesus. Come with me to verse 3 where John says, It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. You see, despite the distance between John and Gaius, word came to John from travelling brothers and sisters about the special ministry of his dear friend. The church seemed to be one that had a revolving door. People would come and go. And visitors came to the town for various reasons and people dropped in to worship God. And the travellers met Gaius and they witnessed something special about him. But what sort of ministry did Gaius have if he wasn't the church leader, he wasn't the preacher, the pastor? It's not stated. God's word is quiet. And so in my mind I thought maybe it was a guy like George. George Barbara, who welcomes people at the door. I don't know what, but whatever he did, he touched the hearts of those who visited the church. Sometimes I think we may forget the amazing opportunity we have here in this church at Bulleye. We're a holiday destination, particularly through summer. And people will come and uh, will come and worship with us. And we have this opportunity to show the love of Jesus to them. Well, Gaius seemed to have done this and many lives were impacted by his genuine and authentic walk with Jesus. And it takes time and effort to play out a role like this. We can't just suddenly race out the door at the end of church. We can't be late coming to church. We need to be there early to welcome and to stay on and talk and encourage people. This is what Gaius, I think, actually did. But what a great privilege it is to greet and welcome people. It's a great joy to see you here tonight. What a joy it was just to come to be and worship with you tonight. What a special blessing it is. And perhaps John had sent some men to the church to report on what uh, its progress was like. Not sure. But what we can be sure of is this. Gaius had a vital walk with the Lord Jesus that played out by impacting the lives of others in a very, very powerful way. So what was Gaius's secret? How was it that he could impact other people in such a positive way? And blessed way. And I've been thinking about this and trying to work out, well, what was the difference? Remember John was his teacher, was his elder in those early days. I'm wondering if John actually talked about what Jesus had to say about the vine. And we're going to come to that in a moment. But John says... Of Gaius, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. But what does walking in the truth mean? And how does one walk in the truth? What must we practice to make this a reality? Walking in the truth simply means walking with Jesus and living in a life, living a life in accordance with Jesus' teaching. 
And I got to thinking more about that, uh, that prayer in Hebrews 13 where we pray that somebody will be equipped. And it could it be that Gaius was equipped with every good and able to do God's will, working in him that which was pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever? Could it be that verse 21 was actually prayed for Gaius and he was equipped? Well, I'm not sure. John was with Jesus for virtually every minute of every day to close to three years. He witnessed so much about Jesus. He was there on that day. Remember that passage we read earlier on about the feeding of the 5,000? John was there. Jesus had asked John, go and feed them. And what did John say? You've got to be kidding. What have we got to feed all these men, 5,000 men, let alone the women and the children? Perhaps for me, the secret of Gaius living a life of worship came from his application, his faithful application on this teaching from the vine that I talked about just a moment ago. So come with me to John chapter 15, just to a couple of verses, where Jesus said, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I, am, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So for me, here is the first answer to the secret Gaius had in being so faithful and living a life of worship. He remained in Jesus, and as he remained in Jesus, what happened? He produced fruit, much fruit. And remains means to walk with Jesus every day. Remain means to have continuous fellowship with Jesus. Remain means to have a living union with Jesus. The song we just sung just a while ago brought tears to my... Every time I sing it, I had tears coming down my face... Who do we go to when we're lost? Jesus. What a wonderful song. What a wonderful reminder. You see, without walking with Jesus, no fruit can be produced. But Gaius produced much fruit. And therefore we can assume that he remained totally committed to Jesus. And not only this, but Gaius did something else that made him ever so special. Jesus also said in verse 10... If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Gaius was obedient, and we need to be obedient too. And through his obedience, the love of God flowed from him and on to others. And Gaius took Jesus at his word and lived out his life in truth. He understood what Jesus meant when he directed his disciples to love each other as he had loved them. Could it be that this faithful servant, Gaius, actually applied the very first verse from Hebrews 13? Keep on loving one another, brothers and sisters. And this is what Gaius did to the lives of the people who worshipped 
worshipped at this little unidentified church in this unknown town somewhere in the province of Asia. He kept on loving. And we go on. John says to Gaius in verse 5, Dear friend, I love it, dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. Oh, what a wonderful verse of encouragement. Imagine this being said of you. Imagine hearing your name and then the words, you are faithful. I long to hear that. Wow. And faithful, I think, in this context means realistic, truthful, authentic and true. My third service today, and I look out, thanking the Lord that in each congregation there have been faithful people serving at this church and not only at this church, in other churches. We have a couple here who have been faithfully serving the Lord all their lives. And I'm so thankful, Bruce and Pat, that you can come here and we can get to know you and be blessed by you for your faithful ministry. You see... Churches are made up of faithful people who have been doing the hard yards. I thank God for somebody like Nathan Chapman. Nathan, great to see you. I haven't seen you for ages. But Nathan was here during COVID, week after week after week, so that we could zoom in at home and watch the service. That is faithful. And I, don't, I won't point the finger anymore, but there's a lot of people here in this congregation tonight that brings much joy to my heart and I say thank you. And Gaius was faithful in serving people he had never met before. John uses the word strangers and the strangers were actually brothers in the Lord whom John knew. Gaius took Hebrews 13, 2 to heart. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. You see, he loved the strangers by simply reaching out to them with God-honouring hospitality. And he had no idea who the strangers were. He wasn't given any advance advice as to who the visitors might be. He simply reached out to all who came to his church and shared the love of Jesus with, him, with them in a practical way. Wonderful. Imagine the surprise Gaius must have received when he heard that these men and these women were people especially or specially called by God to be his ambassadors. He simply encouraged and provided for these people who had turned up at his local church. You see, you never know who may be visiting our church week after week. You never know who God desires for you, you personally, not me, you personally, to encourage or entertain these people as they come to worship God here at the 5pm service. You never know who God has called for you to speak to. John says in verses 6, 7 and 8, They have told the church, that is John's church, about your love, Gaius. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name, that is Jesus, that they went out, receiving no help from pagans. 
We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that they may work together for the truth. The visitors had returned to their home church, John's home church, with the news of this special man they had met at this unknown church in this unknown town somewhere in the province of Asia. Gaius had entertained true saints and he was totally unaware that these people had been sent out by John's church to be ambassadors for Christ. It did not seem to matter who the visitor was. Gaius was uh, caring. He was compassionate and genuine in his love and concern to all who came. Wonderful. Gaius, in my opinion, was a nobody. Yet Gaius is known 2,000 years on and we speak about him tonight as a faithful man who walked in the truth. He was loved by so many simply because he remained in Christ and lived a life of worship just like we have been taught to do in Hebrews 13. It's been a wonderful term of discovery for me about how to live a life of worship. And he shone the love of Jesus to many a visitor to his local church. And the visitor was greatly blessed by his words, by his actions. Gaius was a simple yet humble man. He was a man who brought much joy to countless others, including John the Elder. And it would appear that Gaius was one of John's early converts from what we can read in the scriptures. You see, John saw him just like he sees one of his children. Some of you know that I have three sons. They're pretty big boys now. But God chose me to prepare these boys for life. But not only me, he chose their mother Jan. And we took this task very seriously and did our utmost to bring our boys up and to prepare them for life physically, emotionally and spiritually for a life of great challenge in this difficult world that we live in. I love them. I still love them. And one of my boys is here tonight and every time I see him, I throw my arms around him and sometimes I give him a kiss on the cheek. He's 33 years of age, for goodness sake. And I see my 40-year-old son and guess what he does? He goes, oh, Dad, it's great to see you. Gives you a big bear hug and he gives me a kiss on the cheek. And then there's Greg, some of you know, and I go up to give Greg a hug and he holds out his hand and shakes my hand heartily and then I pull him in and I give him a hug. I love them. They're my children. They're my grown-up boys. I want to see them walking with the Lord. And the joy is that they continue to be on that path. It's not easy. For an elder or pastor, this is... This love is the same for the people that God gives them to nurture and prepare for a life of serving the King of Kings. And when I was a pastor, man, I loved the people of my church. Some of them were difficult to love, so I had to go to God and say, Lord, give me a love for them. And he did. He loves, he loves to answer that prayer. But now I'm no longer a pastor. I'm just one of you. I'm your Christian brother. And this is what I want to say to you as your Christian brother. It is my greatest desire to see you living a life of worship. 
of worship to God and committed to serving your Lord Jesus Christ. It is my greatest desire to see you on fire for the Lord where you worship him and bring glory to him in all you do. It is my greatest desire to see you walking in the truth. And when I see this, and I see it at this church, I keep saying to the young guys in my Bible study group or the Bible study group I attend, this is a great church because there's so much talent and gifting here. And my heart soars when I see some of the young men, Tim Green, come up and preach. And the Rod Pratt's and the Michael Collins and then there's Steve Giblet. He's not so young, but he's not so old either. But they come up and they share the word of God and I sit there and rejoice. Then I see the young, young people getting out and serving, doing kids club, doing kids church. Jumping up and down on castles out here last week. Oh, it's wonderful. And so my heart genuinely soars and I rejoice. And therefore I share with John the joy that comes from seeing people in love with their Saviour Jesus. And I share with John the joy that comes with witnessing uh, people in love with their Saviour Jesus. My heart rejoices when I see people stepping out in faith, young and old, and serving their Lord for the purpose of growing his kingdom. One of the great joys was when I was a missionary director, I sent out two 70-year-olds to work in India. I'm not 70 yet, I don't know how they did it. What was I thinking, sending people that old out? <laughs> but they went and they were a blessing. And Gaius was a faithful, humble man who impacted lives because he was faithful and lived a life of worship. But what about us? What about you? Do you resemble Gaius? Do you walk in the truth? In other words, do you walk with Jesus? Do you think visitors to our church would go home to their church family and share with them how blessed it was to be here to worship with you? Here at Bulleye. Have you ever thought that God sends people here to Bulleye to be blessed through you because you live a life of worship? You see, we are no different to Gaius. And I don't want to be rude, but I guess we are just a group of nobodies. Sorry. But, and this is a big but in capital letters and underlined, but we are nobodies, but we too are children of God and have been specially chosen and predestined to be God's own. That is staggering. We too could also unknowingly encourage the people God has sent to us, including God's special people that he wants to use in ministry overseas or in other local areas. Gaius remained in Jesus. He clung to the vine. He loved others as Christ loved him. He was obedient to the commands of Jesus. He produced fruit and was known as a man who walked in the truth. Oh, for each one of us to be known like Gaius. So in conclusion, I ask you again this simple question. Are you living a life of worship and in accordance with God's will? How do you know if you are? Well, I've been thinking about answers to these questions for myself. 
I guess it comes down to what excites you or what enthuses you or what brings delight to you. Walking with Jesus should be a great joy to you. Serving your Lord Jesus should excite you. Seeing the results of your faithful service, sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't, but when you see it, should bring you the joy that nothing else can bring. Seeking to bring honour to the Lord Jesus in all you do and say should bring much satisfaction and blessing to your innermost being. So can I encourage you to become like Gaius? Can I encourage you to walk in the truth and live a life of worship to God? Can I implore you to follow in Jesus' footsteps no matter where they may lead? Because I can testify to this, there is no better life to live than one that is walking with Jesus and living a life of Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And he goes on to say that nobody comes to his father except through him. But he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life and we should be following him. And the great songwriter, I can't remember who wrote the song, I should have looked it up. But I love the words, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And the songwriter repeats that, all other ground is sinking sand. Do you get it, Steve? Yes, I do. This was Gaius living a life of worship, and this should be you and me as we live our lives in dependence on Jesus. Can I pray? Father God, uh, we thank you for putting this little letter into your word, a letter to encourage us, to excite us, to enthuse us, to realise that you do use just humble men and women to be a great blessing to others. Father, I pray that we might learn from Gaius in how we can live lives of worship that brings honour to you. So we thank you for this special time that we've had in unpacking this little letter. May it be a blessing to each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing together, um, God with us. Let's stand.
Wasn't it great? Thank you, Steve, for being reminded to live a life of worship. And some great questions that Steve uh, left, left us all with about are we, are we living a life of worship? And really, there's nothing better than a life serving God, living for Jesus. Nothing better. And we saw that uh, through the life of Gaius.